Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, before we get into it today, I did just want to say thank you very much to everyone who's donated via the Buy Me A Coffee page. It always, you know, it's a huge help, but it also gives me a great boost and I really appreciate it. I love all the little messages. So thank you to everyone who's done that. Okay, now let's get into it. Uh, we're reading The Pesky Kids 2, Bear in the Woods, and now we're up to Chapter 16, Pretty Please. Here we go. Dad was in his glasshouse, attempting to graft a blood orange cutting to a disease-tolerant rootstock. It was a delicate procedure. The better he lined up the xylem and phloem tubes, the better chance the tree would have of flourishing. The problem was, his hands wouldn't stop shaking. They'd been shaking for ten years now, ever since the fateful night when he had discovered that his wife was a brutal international super-spy capable of levelling a grown man with a single blow to the cartilage in his nose. But some day, Dad's hands shook more than others. Today was one of those days. Dad was worried about April. He didn't think his daughter was mentally unbalanced. Sure, she was angry and she said some very odd things, but she didn't seem any crazier than anyone else he knew. This was the hard part of being a parent. If his kids had problems, then he would be expected to help solve them, and he had a hard enough time dealing with his own problems. The responsibility was just too much. Dad tried to put it all out of his mind and concentrate on cutting the stem of the rootstock so that it exactly matched his cutting. His razor-sharp scalpel hovered just above a node and he started to press the blade forward with his thumb when, ding-dong, the doorbell rang. Dad was not the most observant man, so he had wired the doorbell up to ring extra loudly and in several locations throughout the house and gardens. This was good when you were waiting for an exciting parcel, but bad when you were making a cut with a diamond-tipped blade. Dad sliced right through the cutting and into his finger. Oh, he wailed, dropping the knife and sticking the bleeding finger in his mouth. Then he realised that was a stupid thing to do because his mouth was full of bacteria, so he took it out again. Blood was spattering all over his workbench. Dad held the bleeding finger up and began to rummage around for a rag or a tissue, but there was nothing. Meanwhile, blood was dripping everywhere, all over his crossword, his seedling trays, even in his coffee. And the blood was so bright red, it was beginning to make Dad feel squeamish. The glasshouse was starting to spin. Maybe he should just lie down on the floor. Let me help you. A firm hand took a hold of Dad's finger. It was Ingrid. She was pressing a clean handkerchief to the wound and using cutting tape to bind it on tightly. Are you all right? She asked Dad in her heavily accented English. No, said Dad. Ingrid nodded. I'm talking about the finger. Oh, said Dad. Yes, it doesn't hurt much. There was just so much blood. You need to be careful, said Ingrid. I couldn't be more careful, protested Dad. I never leave the house. I have motion sensors, hidden cameras. I even x-ray all the mail. I mean, you need to be more careful with the sharp knife, said Ingrid, pointing to the blood-stained scalpel on the workbench. 
Have you made any progress with the computer? What computer, asked Dad? Ingrid rolled her eyes. The burning one that I threw out of the window. You were going to restore the hard drive. Oh, yes, said Dad. I did that. Already, asked Ingrid. What data did you find? Oh, nothing, said Dad. Before they set fire to the computer, someone had annihilated the hard drive by spraying it with dry ice and then shattering it. That's unusual, said Ingrid. It was very clever, said Dad. The hard drive had been housed in a custom-made titanium box. There would have been no other way of destroying it. Ingrid let go of Dad's hand. So another loose end. There was one other thing, said Dad. When I removed the hard drive, the shell of the computer casing had scratch marks. What are they? asked Ingrid. If you look at it under a black light, you can see, said Dad. He rummaged in his toolbox and found a small flashlight, which he shone on the casing. It's an email address. Dr. Emily Banfield at mail.com. An email account, said Ingrid. What if she left some information there, said Dad. An email account, said Ingrid. She had all the computer encryption technology of the agency available to her. Why would she leave anything in an email account? Because no one would look there, said Dad. Someone tracked down her ten-year-old computer and destroyed it. But they didn't take it apart and discover the coded message about an email account. Let's check it out, said Ingrid. Two minutes later, they were sitting in Dad's office, loading up the email login page. Dad typed in the address. What would her password be, said Ingrid. I don't know, said Dad. You are married to her, said Ingrid. You must know the type of personal detail she'd pick as a password. I didn't even know her job, said Dad. I still don't know her real name. Did she have a a favourite sporting team or a favourite band, asked Ingrid. No, said Dad. She did have a favourite paleontological period, Cretaceous. Ingrid typed in Cretaceous. They waited a moment, then the words invalid password popped up. Uh, That was her cover, said Ingrid. People usually choose passwords that are personal, something they will always remember, a very special personal memory. Dad blushed. She did discover a new type of dinosaur, and she was allowed to name it. She was, asked Ingrid. Dad was blushing beetroot red now. She named it after me. Haroldosaurus, asked Ingrid, her fingers poised to type. Dad shook his head. No, she used her pet name for me. Ingrid looked questioningly at Dad. So what was that? Sweet Pea, said Dad. She named a dinosaur Sweet Peasaurus, asked Ingrid. Dad nodded. I thought it was romantic at the time. He looked sad. But what did I know? I didn't even realise we had a fake marriage. Ingrid frowned. Let's try it. She carefully typed Sweet Piosaurus into the password field, then hit enter. The computer paused for a moment as information flitted back and forth across the internet at light speed. Then a new screen popped up. It was an inbox. There was one unopened message. The subject title read, The List. This is it, said Ingrid. This must be what they were after, the people who broke into your house. We should contact Professor Maynard and let her know, said Dad. Yes, agreed Ingrid, but first we should open it. Dad grabbed Ingrid's hands to stop her from typing. Information can be dangerous, he warned. Ignorance is more dangerous, said Ingrid. But less stressful, said Dad, because you're ignorant of how dangerous. You have to be brave, said Ingrid. This isn't just about you, it's about your children as well. Dad gulped. I hate being brave, he whimpered. I know, said Ingrid, removing his hands from her own. I'm here to help you with that. She clicked on the icon to open the file. 
Nothing happened for a moment, then a new screen popped up. It's some kind of database, said Ingrid. Information started to fill into the squares. Photos, names, birth dates, code numbers. Dad leaned in to read the screen. Why, this is a list of people who live in Currawong. He turned to Ingrid. What is this? But from the look on her face, Ingrid was just as confused as him. I'll have to ask Maynard. And that is the end of the chapter. So we'll leave it there. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>